and welcome back to the Lucas and Paris News Podcast. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you joining us today. Got a lot to talk about, but first, we want to let you know that you can catch this podcast at any any podcast distribution platform, podcast, podcast, podcast. Couldn't say it three times fast, but that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, we distribute via Anchor FM. We also have a free section on our website if you're not interested in listening to podcasts with any kind of long-term uh, commitment and you just want to listen to us, we put these on our website, www.livingsuperiousnews.com backslash podcast. They are free there. We will eventually be separating those into our morning show, which we do live on Facebook at 7.30 a.m. We then upload it. We do the same thing at 4.30 p.m. We also have these. So there's a video and audio version of all of them. We hope you check those out in the future. Uh, if you ever fall behind or you know want some time to catch up, catch up there. Today we're talking about FEMA and their relationship with the parish. It's been kind of a, a tenuous one at that over the past uh, few years since the Great Flood of 2016. Uh, FEMA has kind of been a, a, a bad word on people's mouths. Now, uh, you know, they're in control of a lot of things. They run the National Flood Insurance Program. They have about $500 million in potential grants with the parish at the moment to do all sorts of things. But recently, the parish has received a third letter. This one is uh, basically applying a whole lot of hardcore deadlines to the parish, talking about uh, things that they're going to have to do to improve uh, both their flood prevention and disaster ordinance, which is on the books, as well as their disaster response. So let's start back in March. That's when this saga began. So in March of 2019, you're looking at two and a half years after the Great Flood of 2016. FEMA sends their independent auditors, which help them, and them would be FEMA, perform what's called a community assistance visits, which are CAVs. They come in, audit what's going on with the parish, what they're doing in terms of disaster response, how they handle it, those sorts of things, and then ship their results off to FEMA. Not long after that, the parish was kicked out of the community rating system which is a sub-rating uh, sub system underneath the National Flood Insurance Program, which allows communities to earn points towards flood insurance discounts. Up until that point, Livingston Parish had been doing the bare minimum and had a 5% discount, but over 16,500 policies, that's about $300,000 a year from the local economy that's been pulled out. Denim and Walker are unaffected by these changes because they have their own participation in the CRS program. From there, the uh, parish was issued a second letter. The first letter kicked them out of the community rating system. The second letter was uh, explaining why they got kicked out and the fact that now grant money and access to flood insurance were on the line. Now, why were those two things on the line? Two reasons. One, after the great flood and in the inspections that followed it as everyone was gutting their house and putting them back together, FEMA determined that at least 4,000 homes, now remember, there are 16,500 homes in Livingston Parish with flood insurance policies. They determined that 4,000 of those homes should have been inspected for substantial damage. The problem there is that the parish submitted 343 inspections. So these two numbers do not add up. When FEMA requested information, which included permits on the homes as well as flood elevation certificates, which per NFIP guidelines, which is the National Flood Insurance Program, per NFIP guidelines must be kept together, parish couldn't do it. 
So that was one of the reasons, or actually that's both. Because of the permitting issue and the inability to provide the information, and as well as the issue of 343 homes reported as opposed to 4,000 homes, which was the, the FEMA estimate on how many were substantially damaged, they were kicked out of the CRS. At this point, the parish is now being, uh, was now being told they have to send that information in to FEMA as well as come up with a corrective action plan to fix their post-disaster response and determine substantial damage. Now, the other thing that they had to do was submit 27 home sites that are in severe uh, flood hazard areas and or special flood hazard areas. I'm told by FEMA you can call it either one. And <clears throat> excuse me. And from there they were going to determine which ones met NFIP criteria and which ones didn't. If they did not meet any the specific criteria, they would be deemed violations. That was due on June 29th. As of the August 29th letter, which is the most recent one, which we'll be talking about today, the corrective action plan from the parish had been submitted. It had been then shipped to D.C. and declined. So Mark Harrell, who is the Director of Homeland Security Emergency Preparedness, is heading up to Dallas. He is meeting with FEMA today, which is Wednesday, September 18th, and tomorrow, Thursday, September 19th, to discuss the action plan moving forward. Because the parish requested uh, before, now demanded, I'm sorry, FEMA has requ had requested in that second letter all that information regarding the 4,000 substantially damaged homes as well as the 27 special flood hazard area permits. Only 19 passed the NFIP regulations, eight were deemed violations, and they never got in for any information on those 4,000 home sites or the inspections. They also, the DC office declined per Mark Harrell the corrective action plan. He said all this is being pushed through Washington, D.C. in the FEMA office there. So the interesting thing is FEMA told him that you have to give us the information on those 4,000 homes by September 29th. That gave them 30 days to come up with information on roughly 3,500 homes. Wasn't going to happen, at least according to Mark Carroll. So now what he's trying to figure out is how to deal with this secondary uh, timeline that was given by FEMA uh, for the parish to react. So that is, these are the points for that. Within 60 days, develop a standard operating procedure that will be used in conducting substantial damage operations. Within 90 days, adopt an ordinance that ensures all aspects of the standard operating procedure are conducted when necessary by the departments overseeing them. Within six months, develop an inventory of below base flood elevation structures at risk of being substantially damaged, including those that are on the NFIP's repetitive loss and severe repetitive loss list. We'll talk about what those are in a minute. This will give the scope of substantial damage operations and identify the populations most at risk. Within nine months, conduct outreach to at-risk property owners, informing them of their risk status, floodplain development permit requirements, what substantial damage and repetitive loss means to them, and offering them assistance. So let's run through those things real quick. First and foremost, severe repetitive loss is any property that is flooded twice within five years. Okay, so anybody that may have flooded in 2016, if they flooded any time before that, especially if they flooded in August and March of 2016, remember we had some high water in the southern part of the parish in March, 
they are repetitive lost pro severe repetitive lost properties. Repetitive lost properties is anything that's flooded twice in 10 years. So anything that's happened within a decade. The interesting thing about this and the concern that Mark Harrell and parish officials have is that this statement here, floodplain development permit requirements. Per the National Flood Insurance Program, permit requirements state that anyone that is in a flood zone, especially in a special flood hazard area zone, must be built one foot above base flood elevation per the uh, freeboard ordinance that was passed by the parish council in June. Now, what that means is any one of those 4,000 structures that is determined to be substantially damaged will have to be up uh, elevated to base flood. In some instances, that could be one foot, two feet, three feet, four feet. It just depends. It depends on if they're determined to be substantially damaged. That is defined as 50% or more of the value of the structure was required to be put back in to bring it back up to livable standards. There, uh, Some people found ways around that will be interesting to see how many of those 4,000 homes qualify. Now, you might be asking yourself, what if I can't afford that? What if I'm in one of these 4,000 homes and I cannot afford to elevate you know, my 2,500 square foot home four feet in the air, which is going to cost about $100,000? There are uh, loans and grants available. There is currently a hazard mitigation grant program that is running through Denham Walker and the parish, uh, wherein if you are especially in a severe repetitive loss or repetitive loss situation, you can apply uh, through FEMA for grant funding that, that will pay up to 100% of the elevation cost requirements. So it will be interesting to see where a lot of these, uh, where these situations go once Mark Harrell returns from Dallas, which is where Region 6, who is our FEMA governing body, is located. That's where their headquarters is. Of course, FEMA's main headquarters is in Washington, D.C. It's important to note that District uh, Region 6 has offered technical assistance and as much labor as possible. Now, they don't have enough labor to make up for a lot of the loss. Uh, one of the things that the parish did not do during the Great Flood is accept labor um, uh, assistance from FEMA after the Great Flood. During disasters, FEMA calls in uh, special people who have signed up to be FEMA auditors, uh, FEMA technical assistants, that kind of thing. They come in from all over the country to help out after the disaster. Walker and Denham accepted the assistance. The parish did not. So the little of this is, uh, you know, chickens coming home to roost uh, in a post-disaster area or post-disaster issue. Now, again, FEMA has put flood insurance as well as grant money on the line for this. It is interesting to note that at, in the onset, after the uh, the second letter, as well as the follow-up, there was uh, you know grumbling that the the parish would face punishment from FEMA. That has been proven to be not the case, uh, partly because East Baton Rouge Parish also faced the same issue. So FEMA decided, well, we've got two parishes with the same issue. We're going to work with both of them to see if we cannot improve uh, their disaster response, improve their uh, flood prevention and disaster ordinance, and um, try, to, try to get them back into the community rating system, as well as secure flood insurance for uh, members of the parish. Uh, it was interesting that uh, 
Mr. Bill Cassidy, U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy, as well as Senator John Kennedy, are both co-authors of some reformation efforts in the NFIP. They did confirm with FEMA uh, that they will not be seeking punitive measures on East Baton Rouge Parish or Livingston Parish going forward. Instead, they will be facing this timeline that's about nine months of getting in touch with these folks and trying to get them prepared um, to do what they have to do to mitigate or elevate their home. So it will be interesting to see how many of those homes in that 4,000 qualify. If that number does not grow, there are points in the letter where it talks about 6,000 homes. Uh, there is a uh, corrective action plan going forward that is uh, discussing uh, things that will help with community rating system points, which is community outreach, uh, large-scale flood and disaster prevention methods, as well as small-scale. One of the things about Freeboard is it pushes uh, base flood elevation up one foot, so you're required to build one foot above base flood. Uh, that is your foundation, your slab, with a base level of the bottom floor of the home. So, But they did not change dirt fill. So in some cases, you go from maybe four feet of dirt fill to five feet underneath the house. That, that adds up in a large subdivision. We're currently trying to research how many subdivisions that were permitted after that law was passed are affected. At any rate, so the parish is facing down FEMA again. They're going to be working with them to try to fix these issues uh, in the flood prevention ordinance as well as move forward, try to get back into the community rating system, get Livingston Parish residents that 5% discount back. Currently, Denham is working towards moving into a 7. Every number down from 10 is a 5% increase in the discount on flood insurance. Walker uh, is currently an 8. So next week, we'll probably have a better answer for you on how the parish is going to move forward. Currently, this FEMA timeline is what they've got, and uh, they'll be looking to see how FEMA expects them to implement that and what they expect them to do with those 4,000 homes who may be deemed substantially damaged. If they are, according to the FEMA letter, they're going to have to mitigate or elevate. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Thanks for joining us. We know this is a, there's a lot of information we tossed out about FEMA and what's going on with their situation with the pair. Still trying to get worked out uh, as we move forward with, uh, with this relationship, uh, wherein $500 million worth of grant money is on the line. Please remember that $7,700 I mean, 7, claims were made in the wake of the Great Flood of 2016, and it was almost a billion dollars worth of claims were put out. Um, it's interesting to note that the that FEMA does say that currently at least 80 million of those damages go into homes that are in special flood hazard areas. So please keep lots of millions of dollars. Please keep that in mind moving forward. Again, my name is publish. Uh, my name is McHugh David. I am publisher and editor of the news. Yeah, I'm assuming the name of my job. There we go. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Livingston Parish News Podcast. This is on all podcast platforms. If you're not interested in any other podcast, you can listen to this www.livingstonparishnews.com bat slash podcast. They are free there. We have audio and video versions for you to check out. This is the feature of our Thursday paper, September 19th. Next week, we are going to be sitting down and talking about everything you can vote on before early voting uh, takes place starting September 28th. Thanks again for joining us. We will catch you next time.